Oh, this is the celebrity telling me to come to my local shop on the, you exactly. know, on the down the corner. Wow. Shahrukh Khan has more followers than Brad Pitt. Yeah, wow. He's the biggest star in India. So imagine and, having your yeah. small mom and pop shop in the corner of a street in Delhi being advertised by the biggest star in your world and inviting yeah. people to come to your store. This yeah. is the kind of ideas that I will share with the people who will come at the conference. And this is how we can see the real impact of AI in inspiration. Antonis Kohelis, I'm so excited to have you on the Imagine AI podcast. Thank you for being here today. Thanks a lot, Chris. It's great being with you. It's a pleasure and a privilege to have the chance to speak with you. A little bit of a background. You are the global CEO of Ogilvy Advertising, working with clients ranging from Coca-Cola to Unilever and a wide range of others, and author of the recently published Forbes article, AI and the Dawn of the Inspiration Economy, and confirmed keynote speaker at the Imagine AI Live Conference at the Fontainebleau Hotel in Las Vegas this March 27th to 28th. I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person in Las Vegas, but I'm so glad to have you here on the podcast to talk first. I wonder if you could give me a little bit of background. So I know you're Greek, and I imagine you're a very proud Greek. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about your early childhood growing up and what got you out of Greece and to where you are today? As you said, uh, born and bred in Greece, in Athens, the children of the previous century who welcomed uh, the 21st century with the fear of the UK virus. I don't know if you remember those days. And one of the first, not a digital native, of course, because I didn't born when digital uh, was all around us, but a digital immigrant, somebody who jumped to the bad wagon of the digital revolution and my professional life started with the boom of the internet. So I had the pleasure to an industry who was severely disrupted by internet, the advertising industry. I've started my professional career as a strategist, as a planner in the advertising industry. And my whole effort was to do what I describe as going forward with the basics. So not leave behind the basic principles that making advertising, brand building and marketing in general great and something that able to touch the hearts and minds of consumers out there, but at the same time, being able to embrace and adopt new technologies, new ways, and the plethora of solutions and tools that the digital revolution gave us. So if you ask me one characteristic of mine, it was an outsider's perspective, because I was born in a country that has an amazing history and the best beaches in the world, but it's not at the epicenter of technological and marketing evolution. And at the same time, born in a time when I had to become a digital immigrant without losing the touch of the basic principles that have made my craft advertising great. So those are the two things that characterize me. Wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing that. I wonder, uh, in your life's journey, what was the most challenging part, the biggest obstacle that you had to get over to get the success to where you are today? 
So the majority of my career is in global business, which if you mm-hmm. think about it, is an oxymoron on itself, how one human being can represent, understand the globe. So I'm standing having a global role and working on global brand building. The biggest challenge is to train myself to stop doing something that it's natural in the human brain. And that is spotting differences. The human brain is trained to understand differences. We neglect similarities because similarities cannot threat us. Differences are potential pitfalls. So when you do global marketing, the most important aspect that you can have is understanding the similarities between the world, the human truths that can embrace the planet and build brands and do marketing based on those instead of stumbling all the time to the differences that naturally exist in the world. So the biggest challenge and continues being a challenge and always be a challenge is to train my brain to spot similarities, to understand the human condition instead to fall a victim to different approaches or different particularities that exist all over the world. That's beautifully said. And as somebody, I was an English teacher in France for four years, Thailand for one year, South Korea for four years, China for a year. And I've loved that, you know, focusing on the things that unite us and the similarities that we have as peoples in different countries and different cultures and not the things that make us different and keep us divided. It's, you know, we're all human. We all have the same emotions, same hardships, same aspirations for the future. And I'm sure from a marketing perspective, you've got to keep that in mind and try to look at those unifying things that can help you market products in whatever culture you go to. So very uh, interesting insight. And when did you leave Greece? I've left Greece back in 2011. 2011. Okay, great. Originally, I moved to Chicago. I spent almost uh, seven years there. Then I moved to New York, spent three years there. And December of 2020, I moved to London. But during that time, based in the US, my job required me to travel all over the world. So the first year, I remember that uh, has been ingrained in my mind. In 2012, I circled the world four times. Because the business that I was running at the time was run by four hubs. So I one hub was Chicago that I was based. Another hub was London, Buenos Aires, Tokyo, Singapore. So I was doing four times a year this role around spending 15 days to a month in each hub. And that continued for four years. So I had, you know, to travel a lot. Currently, I'm living in the BA Lounge based in London. (laughs) Like I have an address in London, but my actual uh, address is the BA Lounge. As a colleague of mine said recently, Andonis, you live in Nylon, New York and London. (laughs) Going back and forth. This for me became uh, foundational in the way that I perceive the world. When you are traveling, but especially when you are living in places different than your own, it forces your mind to change. And I know that this sounds obvious, but when you experience it, you can see that your mind starts opening up to potentialities. And that's what we will go to AI, but this condition allow me to jump into the AI bandwagon, seeing it as a potentiality and trying to explore what are the benefits of this potentiality without being, you know, a critic. Mm-hmm. 
of it. Either a positive, extremely positive critic or the extremely negative critic. I saw the potentiality and I start exploring. Yeah, definitely. And just acceptance of it's there and it's kind of observing, you know. So I feel like we have a lot in common and I'm really excited to dive into this conversation So Chicago for seven years, I'm from Minnesota, so same neck of the woods. I'm curious about any culture shock. What was the hardest moment of living in the U.S. or the hardest thing to get adjusted to? That's great. First, I need to to say thank to my friends and to my Chicago community because I cannot imagine a more welcoming city than Chicago and particularly the American Midwest. So it was great that my landing pad was Chicago and not another city in the U.S. Even though I didn't plan that, it happened because the job that I, I found was based in Chicago. Being there was amazing. What I've noticed with the U.S. is all us foreigners have a false impression that we understand U.S. Why? Because we have been exposed in cultural stimuli about the U.S. from the beginning of our lives. So the American cinema and everything. And... Knowing the language, even the fact that I'm speaking the language with my terrible accent, but knowing the language gives you the impression that you can understand and that you can assimilate from day one. What you don't realize is the vast differences. And the difference, in my mind, are caused by two things. One is the space. U.S. is a very big country. We are uh, foreigners have the tendency to talk about U.S. as being one thing. But actually, the U.S. is not one thing. It's 300 million people plus in a geographical space that is bigger than Europe. So imagine me coming from Greece, a country of 10 million people. So size. Let's not forget that a cat and a tiger, the only thing that differentiate them is size. But one can eat you and the other pulls in your lap. Having said that, size is one thing. The other thing is that I'm saying that with all the respect in the U.S. U.S. is an amazing experiment of creating the most amazing cultural melting pot that works. And I hope that the U.S. will continue works forever because the world needs something like the U.S. So being part of this melting pot and seeing how this melting pot is accepting you under certain conditions and how you can, it's an amazing experience. It's an experience that helped me grow, not only professionally, but most importantly, personally. So again, this experience, as I said, made me more willing to accept differences and more willing to build on similarities. That's great. I love that sentiment and <laughs> I'm glad the Midwest treated you well. Yes, and you're yes. Totally, the, totally only, right. the only thing that I wasn't built for was the winter, the Chicago winter. <laughs> Everything else was great in the city of Chicago, except the temperatures. Some days, like, I couldn't stand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You try the Minnesota winter. is right up there. Oh, I'm still not used to it. I go back in the wintertime. I'm just like, geez, how did I survive this for 18 years? Oh. All right. So, Ogilvy Agency. How many employees do you have today? What's the size of, I mean, if you can talk about annual revenue or just volume of what you do. Um, I cannot disclose particular numbers, but let me give you a little bit a notion of Ogilvy. Ogilvy is probably the biggest uh, creative network, employs approximately 15,000 people across the world. We exist in 83 plus countries 
having approximately 120 offices, and we are offering services that span from advertising, branding, and content creation, digital experiences, PR and influence, consulting, and health health and well-being. It's a historical agency because it exists 2023. We celebrated our 75th birthday. Oh, wow. And it was founded by David Ogilvy, which is one of the modern saints of advertising, the modern fathers of advertising. The agency had the privilege to work with some of the best brands in the world and being the brand steward of those brands. So it's an agency that has a deep culture that unites us and at the same time has the ability to adapt in the changes of our industry and always playing a leading role in what defines modern marketing and advertising. All right. Great. Okay, let's switch now to your AI journey. I want to know, when did AI get on your radar? And when did you kind of think like, holy crap, this changes everything? So look what happened. And if anybody tells you that things happen differently, he or she lies. The advertising industry was very much in its own bubble, being almost ignorant, almost I'm sure that there are some luminaries who knew about AI, but we were, as an industry, almost ignorant about AI's potential nine to 10 uh, months ago. Some creatives, because always creatives were leapfrogging, some creatives have used AI solutions. So we, we had some case studies that they are using some capabilities of AI, but AI was an exception, wasn't the rule of our industry. The boom happened in last year's Cannes Festival. The Cannes Festival is the biggest international festival of advertising and marketing. The Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, it, it happens a week or two weeks after the film festival. Okay. And it's where advertising celebrates the achievement of the year, the most creative work, And it's a celebration of the great work that we do, but more importantly, in my mind, is a celebration of the potential that our industry has. Many of our clients are visiting the festival, many of our peers from other aspects of our industry, so technology companies and others are coming to the festival in order to create potential partnerships, discuss among us, there is a huge component of thought leadership being published and there are lectures, presentations, etc. Last June, June of 2023, we have the uh, Cannes Advertising Festival and the center theme there was AI because a few months ago we had OpenAI releasing ChatGPT, etc., etc. And this hit our industry like an avalanche. Suddenly, all our big clients start asking about AI. Mm-hmm. This is when things started. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat or or lie to it. What happened to me was one of my biggest clients grabbed me and said, Antonis, what is your point of view about AI? And my point of view was limited in a class about uh, neuronic networks that I have done in my MBA 20 years ago. But that's what drives advertising. That's what makes advertising innovate, clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So receiving the client question... We start rallying our teams and our people to form a point of view. The biggest challenge, and that's how I placed myself, was 
to translate AI capabilities into marketing and translate marketing objectives and goals to AI technology. So how you are taking the AI foundational models and fine-tune them to answer domain expertise questions, it was the challenge. Thank God, people more luminary than me, and especially our CTO, uh, Stefan Pretorius, had acquired a specialized AI company two years ago, Satalia. Meeting with Daniel Hume and the Satalia team, we put together a robust roadmap, making many mistakes at the beginning of what is going to be our offering to clients. Realizing that we need to create use cases within Ogilvy and WPP at three levels. The first level is how AI can help us automate things that we are already doing and therefore gain efficiency, cut time, cost, and be able to to do more things. That's one thing. The second level is putting use case studies of the new products that AI and the new services that AI will allow us to create for our clients. And finally, trying to determine how AI disrupts our business model and what it will change in our relationship with our clients. So we start from hype to delivery. It was less than a year, but we had to do that fast. Yeah. So the three levels, again, it's figuring out efficiencies through AI in your own systems, then the product. So how you can use AI to deliver better marketing product. And, yes. So effectiveness. And what a- so AI- how, how the marketing product will be efficiencies, both for us and our clients. Mm-hmm. Effectiveness, how we can make our marketing product better with the help of AI, how we can realize things that we couldn't realize before. And, and- the final part is... What I using a Greek word name in my article as word epiphany, how we will become able to do things that we haven't imagined yet and how we will change our model, our business model to accommodate those new uh, potentialities. Because in my opinion, the biggest mistake that we are doing about AI is what is being described for other things as disintermediation. So we use AI as a way to do things that other technologies did before only better. And this is a natural state of evolution. It will happen. Yes, we will use AI to do storyboards. I'm bringing the most rudimentary example. Yes, we will do some things like that. But if we stop there, we are losing the train of evolution and revolution that AI brings. The most important question is how AI will allow us to do all those things that we thought that we would never be able to do. Yeah, definitely. I read your article and I liked one of the quotes that jumped out at me was AI is not artificial intelligence, but augmented imagination. Yes. And this idea of what you call it, the imagination or innovation economy, right? Inspiration economy that says that every idea, because we as Ogilvy and as WPP, we are in the business of ideas. We use creativity to transform the future of big brands and big businesses. In every idea, somebody had said, I think it was Thomas Edison, if I'm quoting rightly, has said that every idea is 90% perspiration, 10% inspiration. AI can significantly reduce perspiration. 
which leaves more room open for inspiration. So let's use AI to inspire ourselves. Let's use AI to allow us to test and learn from things that we will never dare to test and learn. Let me give you an example. Yeah. Every human endeavor is limited by our survival instinct. So you will never try to jump from a high cliff because you know that landing will kill you. Simple as that. And that spans to everything that we do. Marketing, even though some may choose to differ, to disagree with that, is a human endeavor as well. Selling which is limited by a survival instinct. So many marketeers, we will never try ideas that have a small possibility to be successful. But without trying them, they sacrifice this small, narrow chance of exponential success. With AI and the ability to create synthetic representation of the marketplace, we will be able to test those ideas and find Nice ideas with exponential success, who can create exponential success, even though they don't look as, you know, having a high potentiality to work. So we will be able to create epiphany, moments of revelation that will allow us to understand the fringes of what is possible. The biggest benefit of AI is that it will make us focus on ideas, not on ideologies. Marketing suffers from ideologies. Every other year, a predominant theory about how marketing work emerges. This theory is a product of socioeconomic conditions, uh, a great mind who express it and everything. This theory, or not one, many theories, coexist and dictate what we do. And most of the times, the mar- our marketing is not pragmatic. It's not based on its results. It's based on its obedience to the predominant theory of the time. So I did all things right, but the result wasn't what I expected. AI and the ability to test and learn in simulated environment, environments by creating digital twins of an audience, of a, of a marketing condition, will allow us not to follow theories for the sake of following them, but following only what we know will work. And in marketing, if you see the history of marketing, sometimes what it works and in creativity, it's counterintuitive. So I'm working in the world of creativity. That's why I said in my article, AI is not artificial intelligence. It's augmented imagination because it allows us to do things that we haven't done before. It allows us to test those things, learn from those things, combine things that we haven't combined before. To give you an example, one of our teams in India did something that exists in the playbook of advertising from the beginning of time. Celebrity endorsement for a certain case study, for a certain brand, use India's most well-known movie star, Sarukan. Khan. Mm-hmm to endorse a product during Cadbury's, a a Mondalese brand, during the Diwali celebrations. But look what AI allows us to do. Allow us to create infinite permutation of Sarukan, endorsing every small business in India. 
What? Using deepfake, we were able to permutate his expressions and his voice, and, and therefore we created a platform that every small uh, business owner in India were able to access, put the name of his company, the address of his company, and make Sarukan endorse his own business as a source of solutions and great gifts for people's celebrations in Diwali. Wow. This is exactly what I named at the beginning of the conversation. Go forward with the basics. The fact that celebrity endorsement sells and make brands lovable, it's, something, it's a basic truth of marketing. We know that for years. How you go forward with it by using AI to make the endorsement personalized. Mm. This work won a Titanium Lion. Titanium Lion is the biggest award in our industry for work that shows the future of marketing. So we won that in 2022. And in 2023, we won a Creative Effectiveness Grand Prix, which is the biggest award that proves that this marketing initiative actually achieved its goals and lift up sales. Mm. So... The use of AI to go forward with the basics and explore a potentiality that didn't exist before. This is what I describe in my article as epiphany. This is the economy of inspiration, because if you think about it, the inspiration of this idea created economic value, not only for the brand Cadbury's, but also for all the small business owners in India. You know, it's incredible. And just thinking about that going forward, I mean, just that one idea of, you know, celebrity endorsements, but it's personalized to the business. And so was it the celebrity that like appeared to be selling for that personal business to the customer? So like that, that celebrity was like representing this little store on this, you know, side of the road, yeah. uh, <laughs> telling, telling customers to come in, you know, within, and they were probably seeing it on their smartphones and, Oh, this is the celebrity telling me to come to my local shop on the, you exactly. know, on the down the corner. Wow. Tarukan has more followers than Brand Pitt. Yeah. Wow. It's the biggest star in India. So imagine and, having your yeah. small mom and pop shop in the corner of a street in Delhi mm -hmm. being advertised by the biggest star in your world and inviting yeah. people to come to your store. This yeah. is the kind of ideas that I will share with the people who will come in at the conference. And this is how we can see the real impact of AI in inspiration. Yeah, that's amazing. So there's a lot of different AI things in that one marketing campaign. Uh, a lot of it's like the customer data and knowing who's receiving the message at the end, but also just the technology of the deep fake itself of mm -hmm being able to, you know, use this person's likeness, manipulate their mouths and their words coming out. It could be replicated for many different celebrities and many different businesses. And I mean, it's so cool that you're, you know, one of the top marketers in the world and you guys have the budget and the bandwidth to go to go on these cool ideas. I'm just curious now because that's, I mean, that's just one example where it's just like, oh, wow, that's, I mean, you hear about that. And you've seen it in movies and stuff, like people walking down the road and you see an advertisement that's tailored directly to you. And now it's a reality. And I'm, I'm just curious if you have another example you could share with us. Yeah. So another example, we use AI and again, it's different modularities of AI in order to allow people 
to exchange personalized versions of the birthday song. So imagine that I will create a personalized version of the birthday song, which I'm able to permutate the lyrics given to an AI chatbot elements of your personality that I know. I'm able to permutate the voice of the singer so I can choose different voices. I can also choose the genre of music that this will play to. So I can, I can give you a, a hip hop version of birthday song or a country music version of birthday song sung by a female artist with lyrics that are inspired by your personality. So I'm prompting the AI chat box based on your personal characteristics and the lyrics are coming like that. I have the ability to edit the lyrics and make them as I like, but AI is giving me recommendations. I have the ability to fine-tune the pitch of the voice, select from different voices, select from different genres of music, and then I can send you this song from a QR code that you can find in a box of chocolate that I will gift you because you have your birthdays. Your birthday. Mm, Wow. The other thing that we did, which you can find, it's a WPP idea and it's an amazing, is... In order to celebrate Serena Williams and her amazing contribution in the world of tennis, we created an avatar of Serena Williams, age 23. Mm. And we posed the question, can young Serena win mature Serena? (laughs) And who is the best player? And we created a game between young Serena and mature Serena based on all the stats that we have of how the Serena used to play and how Serena plays now. And you can find that online and you watch that match. Wow. And so it's like a, on YouTube or something? Like you can find a... Yeah. You, yeah. you had them play each other. The two characters play each other. Wow. Very cool. I'm wondering, like, all these ideas, if you're a big agency... I mean, you've got the big fire hose to be able to kind of go on these cool ideas and work with the top celebrity, top talent and stuff. But I'm I'm thinking for like individuals, small businesses as well. I I just feel like a lot of these personalized marketing strategies, it will be possible for small companies and individuals as well because the power of AI is so leveling and there's going to be you know, software that you can use already on Facebook, you can target and, and, you know, target ads so well, it's just going to get better. I feel to be this like personalized targeting of ads. And I wonder if you have any thoughts to that, the, the leveling effects of AI, like what do you think about the smaller agencies, individuals use and how AI is going to affect marketing for them? Sooner than later, it's not going to be anymore who has access to AI. First of all, AI is a general purpose technology. Mm-hmm. The foundational models that exist out there, stable diffusion, chat GBT, already, if somebody uses them, it can enhance its marketing output. Simply like that. I would say for big advertisers and well-known brands, this is not enough. Because the foundational models can give you interesting things 
as output, but they will never give you big brand specific solutions that you can use freely out there. And there are a lot of considerations of IP protection, legal protections and everything. Mm-hmm. So what we are coming is we are coming and we fine tune some of the general models, creating combinations of LLMs and tools that we are calling brains. And we are making, we are using the power of foundational models in a domain specific way. And that creates solutions for our clients. Like everything in few years time, that will be commoditized. It's not right now and it will take, it will take some time and requires expertise, but eventually everything gets commoditized. That's why I'm saying that the power of AI is not AI per se. It's what you do with it. It's how you utilize it in order to create ideas that are better, not functionalities. Yes, it has applications that create economies of scale. It has applications that give you access to things that you couldn't have before. Yes, yes, yes. But that's not enough. What needs to be done is thinking AI as a springboard, not simply to do the things that we are already doing only cheaper or faster, but as a springboard to go wherever nobody has gone before for our brand. What are you worried about? You talked about the third thing is just kind of like preparing for the future of AI and anticipating, you know, what you're going to have to leap over. And I'm just wondering what what kind of, as a marketing agency, what worries you? I wouldn't use the word worry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm always cognizant about the effort that change management requires. So let's not be shy about it. AI is a disruptive force, which will create a huge amount of change. How we manage that amount of change is the most important thing. How we are upskilling our employee force. This is our Mm -hmm. number one concern. Yeah. Making our people see AI as a potentiality, not as a threat. Making our people embrace AI, use it and abuse it. In quotes, the word abuse. Yeah. That's the most important thing. The other is how we will contain AI not to become a threat for the individual and collective rights of the public. That's another big concern. Uh, The ethical concerns about AI are huge. We know that algorithms have the tendency to become biased. We all know those things. This is very important for us because at the end of the day, we are hoping to touch the hearts and minds of people. And we want to do that in a way that it's ethically sound, legally compliant, and at the end of the day, put it simple, we want to do what is right. What's your agency's policy on AI-generated people in advertising, AI-generated models, actors, actresses? Have you started using that? We created an AI-generated avatar for a big retail chain store in Brazil. The avatar was called Lou and everything. Doing that, as long as you allow the public knowing what you have done, is great. And the public enjoys it. That uh, avatar became super popular and everything. People enjoy it. People saw the funny side of it. And also the usefulness of it. Because an AI-enabled avatar, 
was able to facilitate the customer experience, answer to multiple of questions, something that humans will, wouldn't be able to do. But as long as you allow humans to know what you are doing, don't mm. use technology in order to hijack people's uh, minds, perceptions or emotions. As long as you are true in what you are doing, people will simply award you based on if you, what you are doing is good or bad. Mm-hmm. So we are very clear that we are not using AI in ways that distorts the public's perception about what we are doing. Yeah, I, I try to ask every guest this is, what do you think that government or societally people will have to do as this disruption and change happens? People lose their jobs. Not everyone's going to be able to transfer into jobs that pay the same as they did. It's going to be hard to retrain people and people are going to lose their jobs. What do you see as like the future of jobs, the future of work and what society, what government can do to try to help? As they say, this is a question bigger than my pay grade. Meaning, yeah. <laughs> but and I'm not answering this question as, as an Ogilvy and WPP executive. I'm answering this question simply as Andonis. And as Andonis, I would say to you that we need to learn from the past. Mm-hmm. Every time that we left technologies ungoverned, when our, our governments got surprised by the potentialities of technologies, think about social media and the impact that social media have in the bigger notion of truth and what is real in the world. Yeah. When our, our governments remain idle and they didn't step in to understand this world, not necessarily regulate it, but understand it first and foremost, understand the implications, work very closely with the experts, bad things happen. So now that we have AI in front of us, as I said, I'm optimistic about AI. I'm I'm seeing AI as a potentiality. I'm seeing AI as something that can have a positive impact in the world. But like everything that has a positive impact, it can also have negative impacts. Okay, let's work on them. Let's try to understand them. The IMF yesterday or the day before published that probably there are going to be a disruption in the workforce at the amount of 40%. Wow. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's, it's it was published by the yeah. IMF. Yeah, I've heard numbers in that range. Yeah. yeah. We need and our governments need to think proactively about it. Yep, Definitely. You know, like you mentioned, social media, the emergence of social media and like all of the jobs that were created out of that. And my job as a podcast clip editor that I did for the last two and a half years, like nobody that job, you wouldn't have been able to heard of that job or found out any employment records anywhere in podcast clip editor. And now it's a vibrant economy, little exactly. niche economy. And yeah, you just got to be adaptable first and foremost and be paying attention to what, what's going on and trying to think about whatever industry you're in, how this is going to change things and kind of start planning, start thinking about it because you'll be better off if you do. Yeah. In, in WPP, for example, our general counsel is always present and our general counsel and, of course, her team and everything is always present in conversations that I have to do with AI and mm-hmm. what those ideas that we put in place or those services that we put in place will generate, how they will generate things, what is the legal way to generate those things and everything. 
we are governing our approach to AI without hindering it. And I think that's the, the role of governments as well. Governing without hindering it. I'm sure that we have tackled problems far more different than that. And I'm sure that we will find ways to do it as long as we are active. If we remain passive and we allow AI to run forward with 100 miles, then problems will occur. This has been a great conversation. I am so excited to meet you in Las Vegas and that you're going to be at the Imagine AI live conference there. When do you plan to arrive? Are you going to be in Las Vegas for a while? Are you coming just for the conference? I will come for the conference only. I'm trying to fix dates, planes, and everything, like, and prepare my presentation also as well, which is what stresses me right now. Okay, great. Well, Antonis, thank you so much. I had a pleasure talking with you. It's just incredible everything that's going on in, in AI and in your agency and the AI and marketing. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. Thank you, Chris. Thanks a lot. Uh, it was a pleasure and privilege talking to you and hopefully we will spend some time together in Las Vegas. Thanks a lot. Yeah, can't wait. Thank you. Thank you.